We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! There's no Roth this week. I'm very, very sorry. We've been a bit sporadic and we've had a lot of one-offs this summer. But I promise all of you that everything will be back to normal next week when I let Roth out of the steam trunk in my basement. But for now, he's still down there. But you're in luck because it's a tradition unlike any other, baby. It's time for the He's Good to the 2023 fantasy football season and look who joins us it's our longtime friend of the pod andy barons of yahoo hi andy hi um i'm sorry that i'm on during a week that roth is suspended but i'm sure he deserves it i don't know if it was he did he knows what he did he knows he knows precisely (laughs) what he did not even gonna not even gonna lie so uh we're gonna talk about fantasy football uh, for most of this podcast, if you don't care about fantasy football, well, there's the door. You can take your superiority with you and enjoy that all to yourself. But I want to ask you some big picture questions before we get into uh, the players themselves, Andy. Are you ready for that? Yes, sir. All right, good. Now, I think I asked you this a year ago, but I want to, I'm probably going to ask it every year. Do you see fantasy sports suffering as a whole now that regular sports gambling has become legalized in more states and has become more widespread. No, that that hasn't really been, uh, and it's actually a, a relatively well uh, studied area over the last like year and a half or so. I don't, I don't think we've found that we're just straight up losing people to to sports betting. Um, if anything, one seems to to sort of enhance the other, right? They uh, people who play a lot of fantasy can kind of naturally migrate to to player props a bit. I think that's a, a more natural pairing than than sort of traditional sports betting. Um, but we haven't, you know, we haven't we haven't lost users to it at Yahoo. That hasn't been a that hasn't been a concern. It also helps that there's you know there's a variety of new ways to play fantasy that just were not around 15 years ago, right? Like that's true. Yeah, ball leagues are increasingly popular. Um, obviously, we experienced the DFS thing a while ago, um, but there's a you know there's just sort of generally a rise in in new and different and I won't say better ways to play fantasy. Also, <laughs> like people just don't leave long time leagues um, because they they are still like really important social hubs for people, right? Like you're in a, I don't know. I'm in, are a, they? I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a league of college buddies that is just never going to break up. I'm in a league of high school buddies that is just never going to break up. There's zero chance, you know? Do you guys still interact? Like, do you guys still have, do you guys still have like energy or is it one of those leagues where it's like, no one makes a trade offer all season long because everyone's just fucking old and tired and has kids. and kids. <laughs> Oh no, it's not like that. We're actually coming up on the, I believe the 25th anniversary in the college friends league. And I think we're going to actually travel for it. No, it's funny. No, one, Oh my God, you got to go to Vegas. No, it's worse than that. We're going to, we're going to actually go to the university of Iowa and attend a, attend a game. What? Uh, it's not going to be anything as debaucherous. We don't have like debauchery in us anymore. Right? Like we're just going to, we're just going to all share hotel rooms and, and crash at 9 PM in all likelihood. We're, we're probably going to pass out by halftime of this game, honestly, is what's going to happen. I mean, that's every Iowa game. I can't imagine going to an <laughs> Iowa football game in celebration of anything. Like, that's something that, you know, that's something you would be sentenced to for doing something bad. I, you know, I mean, I asked that's the question. What, that's what someone who doesn't appreciate fine punting would say. That's sure. true. That's true. I, I, I did forget about how, uh, how much joy Kirk Ferentz has brought. Uh, to the football world <laughs> with his offense and I feel like I feel like you've become a coastal elite and you can't really appreciate a 12 to 9 game anymore that's uh, that is probably true I, you know I asked you that question about gambling knowing full well it wasn't like I'm not surprised to learn that hey gamblers are more than happy to gamble on more stuff and not just sort of select which <laughs> which which is the best way for them to gamble but I didn't notice myself and of course my own personal experience is really just how I view all world trends. I'm New York Times that way. But I, I did notice last year that a couple of times, like I placed like a few basic line bets like once or you know, once or twice like a month or something like that. I and mean, we're talking about nothing. Like I'd bet like five bucks or ten bucks because it was easy. But it was like it's really easy. It's way easier than being than like selecting even like a DFS team. Like that's very easy to do. You can do yeah. that in 10 minutes on the toilet, right? But just pushing one button for a, an over-under or something like that is very, very appealing to me because it requires even less effort for me to lose my money. And that really is something <laughs> that I that excites me so much. 
Yeah, I've I've found that um, pretty much my you know, and I'm I'm not somebody that on any given like college football or NFL weekend needs to have like you know half a dozen bets live and a couple of parlays or anything like that. But like, I really enjoy futures bets. I really enjoy the idea that. Um, I haven't officially lost this money for several months. It is still kind of mine, and I can imagine making more, right? Like I, right. I like oh, the yeah, long-term yeah, yeah. futures. And that's exactly not what you should do if you're, you know, any kind of like betting sharp. I don't, I don't think they do a lot of it. Um, no, there's, it's a shitty mostly, percentage. You're not going to win anything. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to tie up your money for that length of time. Like I get all that. However, I did like I hit pretty big on the the Shohei Otani MVP a few years ago. So I also feel like for the rest of my betting life, I'm a little bit playing with. I'm literally playing with house money. So like I'm going to be good, and that's that's what I tend to enjoy. I also just tend to enjoy the sort of betting that pairs really well with fantasy, right? Like of course props for specific players this weekend. I'm all over those. How much did you win betting on Shohei Otani to be MVP? Can you tell was, me? I think it was reported, so okay. All <laughs> I can right. probably tell you. Uh, uh, rest assured, I I did become a thousandaire. Okay, uh, where do you live so that I can rob you uh, in the middle of the night? <laughs> no, no. Well, I'm gonna have to. Well, you know, now now that I'm a man of means, I can go to space. I can live all over the world. Yeah, really. it's true. You could escape me <laughs> by escaping the stratosphere of the uh, of Earth. <laughs> do you yourself? I know you. I know fantasy is your livelihood, but do you yourself? grouse at the amount of fantasy and gambling content that now pervades so much sports programming, particularly the NFL. Yeah, I kind of love it. Um, it. You know, as as somebody who's been in fantasy and, and working in fantasy for as long as I have, it's just sort of, it's sort of gratifying to see it become part of the mainstream conversation. It was, it was pretty inevitable that this would, that this would happen down the road, but it obviously, you know, 20 years ago, this was a super niche thing. And it was only for like super hardcore weirdos who who um, needed to be invested in sports beyond what a normal fit. Now it's just like part of the fan experience. Like if you're if you're not playing a fantasy league or two, I don't I don't think you're necessarily considered um, like a fully hardcore fan, right? It also just like you're in a, the minority. Like you're just not. You are definitely in the minority. Yeah, and you and that's fine. Like if you're just hung up on your local team totally fine. I get it. I have a lot of friends who are, you know, old friends who are just like, there's Bears fans. And they, I Oof. have to tell them about the rest of the league when the rest of the league comes to town. Um, but the, I mean, one of the great things about fantasy is it just sort of, it just sort of informs you, right? Like I've, I've learned the league at a level that I would never, ever know it if I were just a meathead Bears fan. Yeah. Because if you were just a Bears fan, well, you'd be as stupid as every other Bears fan, so that wouldn't be good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't even like. I wouldn't even know that you were allowed to pass if I were if I were no. really a Bears fan, right? I wouldn't know that there were teams out there dropping back fifty times a game. I do remember. I remember back in the day, like when they started putting fantasy stats on the you know on the graphics and stuff like that, and then you'd have like purists like Phil Sims who'd be like, I, "GM, I don't, I don't like all this fantasy nonsense," <laughs> you know, where it's like. It's like, oh, uh, like, like all the, all the coaches and players were like, well, that's not a real sport. Like you guys are pretending to be like real football people. You're not. I, it's such a generational thing though, because like Chris Sims will talk fantasy in a second, right? Like super into it. Um, so I think, I think there is going to be a process whereby like, you know, like even now, you know, Matt Barry is like the, the lone exception. He gets to go on NBC and, and, you know, talk fantasy. It's just so slow with the, with the networks, you know, it like is Fox, CBS. They are just not going to fully lean into fantasy until we get sort of new guard in positions of leadership, I think. Well, yeah. And it's not even, you know, it's not even fantasy talk it, you know, to that end it's, you know, it's about data. It's about research, about analytics, and you can't do any of that stuff when you have Terry Bradshaw, you know, cackling for 45 minutes every, <laughs> it's you know, very true. You know, you can't, you can't do any of that. So it's weird that there is a disconnect between the people talking on camera and the graphics that I'm seeing, because they will put next gen stats down in the bottom line. They will put research down yeah. in the bottom line. You will see all of that, but it's not actually being discussed on camera. So it's like, at some point, at some point, I'm going to have to have a fucking nerd in there to like, get this shit going but it doesn't happen <laughs> now all right we should talk about uh we should talk about the season itself because by talking about fantasy we are surreptitiously also previewing the entire nfl season which is so neat let's start with running backs and 
You know, what? I'll give you one more big uh, picture question, which is, is it weird to you that running backs are still the most important players in non-PPR fantasy leagues while the NFL itself is treating the position with such complete and utter disdain? Yeah, I, I almost worry that that um, part of the reason we consider this to be some sort of crisis, right, like some sort of compensation crisis for running backs is is actually the, the um, prevalence of fantasy football, right? Because running backs are just like, this is the one position that, you know, if you look at the top, I don't know, 75 seasons, individual seasons in terms of scrimmage yards in NFL history, they're all running backs, right? Like this right. is the position that is going to drive fantasy scoring. And if you get you get your number one running back right it's like a it's like a golden ticket to the playoffs you're probably going to win the league like this is where league winners come from each year this spot um the nfl has obviously found it to be a, a somewhat replaceable position right as long as you as long as you're able to hit a certain baseline as long as you're able to clear like a certain bar um you can probably produce 85 90 of the numbers that like an elite level back might um, right. And then you don't have to pay that back. This is one of two major disconnects, actually, in fantasy. The other being that in one quarterback leagues in fantasy, the quarterback position has it's just it's just not that important. Right. You can fill it in a variety of ways. We haven't done enough. Like, I feel like our scoring is broken at quarterback. We don't we don't like really punish negative. Play. There was the year that Blake Bortles literally led the NFL in interceptions, fumbles, time sacked. And he was like the QB four in fantasy. Yeah, that sounds like Blake Bortles. There was the year that Jameis Winston threw thirty picks, and he was the QB five. Right? That's right. The fucking thirty pick season from Jameis. Absolutely oh disastrous real life seasons become just on volume become great fantasy seasons. So like that's messed up. Um, I do like some of this is also like a running back. It's just the changing nature of of the league. I mean, nobody would have argued with the idea of the, the, um, the, the importance of like a dominant, like Earl Campbell was like legit valuable back in the day, Walter Payton, legit valuable back in the day. Those of are course. great players. Even today, you can't tell me that like, you can't tell me that Nick Chubb is not one of the most valuable weapons in the NFL. And the, the league might, in terms of compensation might treat this position as if it isn't important, but the best running backs still touch the ball the most, right? The best running backs are still seeing 350 touches a year. Um, so it, it's, it's really the, the, the replaceability of the, of the position. It's a, it's a problem. I hate it. I, it, it feels like the NFL should have some sort of, uh, you know, like an NBA like system where like, if you are, you know, the NBA does the thing where you're eligible for the supermax contract. If you make the all NBA team, it seems like there ought to be something maybe even outside the salary cap that like, Hey, if you're a first team, all pro second team, all pro, that should be money. Um, I, I like, I, you know, you, you hate to see players in the situation that like Josh Jacobs is right now, but they just have no leverage and there's, there's no quick fix. Um, cause it's all been collectively bargained, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they could, they could take it up with their union leaders too. They could say to them, Hey, it's like, this is part of, you know, this, this is, this is part of your doing too. Like you need, you guys need to help me out. Um, also, I will say it, it is like, it's a salary cap. I mean, I know we're way off the fantasy conversation, but it is a salary cap league. So at least it's not quite as tidy as saying that the owners are just keeping the money that's not going to running backs, right? It's really just within the confines of the salary cap, it's going to other positions. Yeah, it's entirely a salary cap problem. If you get rid of the cap, then this doesn't happen. And it's... Yes. And yes. it might be valuable to have a carve-out for the league. The owners would never say that because, like you said, fantasy makes the running backs name-brand players. These are the famous players. Yeah. And if your team doesn't value them, because they shouldn't, just in, like it is smart to not invest that much in a running back. It just is. Um, but then it's also like, it's not fun if I'm rooting for a team that has Derrick Henry, right? And my team just spent the offseason really kind of trying to get rid of Derrick Henry because they know that as good as he is, he's probably, he's the best running back in Titans history. He's, he's a Hall of Fame running back, I think. But yeah. also like, they're not going to go anywhere with him. They have to get rid of him. And so they have they have him for one more year, and it sucks to be in a position as a fan where you have to root for your team to get rid of a player you love because you know it's yes. hampering them in in that in that sense. So that's not that's not fun. But let's talk about these goddamn running backs, okay? Will you do that with me? <laughs> I would be thrilled to. Let's do it. All right, let's start with. I'm going by the rankings in Fantasy Pros, which I think is uh, affiliated with Yahoo. Is that correct? 
Uh, yeah, we do. We actually do our rankings on there, so we definitely contribute to their okay. uh, consensus ranks. Sure. All right, so your number one back is Christian McCaffrey. He's the number two player ranked overall behind Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. Do you trust Christian McCaffrey as the number one overall back this year, especially with his quarterback situation in San Francisco so uncertain? So McCaffrey is... Um He's like a perfect modern running back, right? I will I will say one of my hangups with McCaffrey and the reason that I just I I just don't have much of if any Christian McCaffrey so far this year. There are, there are two issues. One, I just absolutely love Nick Chubb, um, and Nick Chubb is not going to be the number two running back that we talk about, but I think he should be. I th- there's a pretty strong case for Nick Chubb to be the number one running back. Um, one of my issues is with McCaffrey, and this is very common, right? Like NFL teams aren't, you know, it's not 1977 and NFL teams aren't trying to get the workload down to just one guy, right? Like right. Yeah, of course. Last year when McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell were both healthy, which that was only, you know, seven, eight games, something like that. If right. You look at the, you know, playoffs included. Um, McCaffrey was seeing a little bit over 15 touches a game and Mitchell was seeing 11. Um, and that's like 15 touches a game is not going to allow McCaffrey to finish as the overall RB one, because there are going to be like three or four guys that end up at like 350, 370 touches that will happen. Um, so that that's the immediate problem with McCaffrey. Now, McCaffrey could also catch 90 passes and no one would be surprised. Right. Right. Yeah. That was the other thing. That's why he's the number one back. Right. That is that is why he's the number one back. He still gets the most valuable touches for that team. He's going to see a lot of action on the goal line. It's going to be a team that is in super favorable situations all year because the defense is great. Like everything is great except maybe the quarterback isn't, but literally everything else is great on this team. So they're going to be in really favorable, you know, the score situations all year. They're going to be ahead by double digits all year. That's going to play really, really well for McCaffrey. But it is also going to play well for Mitchell, a guy who has standalone value behind him. Um, but it's, you know, the, the upside for the offense, for that player, the fact that he's probably going to catch 80 plus balls, that's, that's what tips him in as number one overall. Uh, so people know the Niners are going into the season, hoping that Brock Purdy is essentially the number one guy. He's coming off of elbow surgery. They're like, wow, well now he can do joint practices and all that stuff. So he'll probably be right for the beginning of the season. But if he falls off because of injury or because he's Brock Purdy, like we still don't have a very large sample size from the back half of of last season to know whether or not he is legit. They also have Trey Lance sitting in the bullpen. And I think Trey Lance is already a bust. And I think they want to get rid of him. And no one would fucking take him this offseason. And then they also signed (laughs) Sam Darnold. uh, And I think that there is a non-zero chance that Sam Darnold uh, starts a significant number of games for them. And that they believe that he can actually excel uh, behind, you know, with that offense. And I'm not, I'm not confident of that, but if you got Sam Donald starting like six to eight games for them and, you know, and Christian McCaffrey is your lead back. I don't know if you really want to duplicate the 2021 Carolina Panthers offense. I don't know if that is something that is going to be, <laughs> make me very happy. Yeah. Yeah, like that. I to me, that's the nightmare scenario, right? Is that Sam Darnold has to start games because Brock Purdy isn't the Brock Purdy that we saw like in December and January, right? Um, if and I listen, I I'm nobody was more shocked by Brock Purdy than me last season because like when last I'd seen him, he was getting yanked from the field against the Iowa Hawkeyes because he couldn't stop throwing interceptions. Oh, and there's then, that like, Iowa football again. Oh my god. Yes, and then like less than a year later. Um, he is, he is an absolutely flawless quarterback running the Shanahan offense to perfection, actually making kind of gutsy throws too. like one of the, you know, one of the, one of the great things about the Shanahan offense. And it was, it always highlighted the failures of Jimmy Garoppolo as a player. Is it really, there's so many layups. There's so many like easy throws. There's so many easy connections. And then if you can just hit like a, a legit NFL downfield, like wow pass, like two or three times a game and Jimmy Jimmy could only hit one like maybe once a game or once every two games right like if you could just do that um then then some really special things can happen um and Purdy was doing it and he was he was pulling the trigger and he was processing really quickly so like if that version of Brock Purdy shows up again I I don't I don't know how this isn't like a 13 or 14 win team no I I think you're right I think all of it will hinge on that and like my you know my prejudices against late round draft picks are so ingrained that I'm like, well, he's going to fall off. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to be the wonder boy that he was a year ago, but you know, everyone expected that 
last year, at some point, they were like, okay, he's going to fuck up and be horrible. And he never did. <laughs> and, you know, the, yeah. only time, the only time he really blew it was when he got hurt. So it doesn't really, I'm not going to count any of that. Uh, do you expect any of the three backs who had contract issues this offseason, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley, to suffer from those contract issues? I, I suppose I can imagine a scenario where the Jacobs thing goes on, you know, right bumps up right against the season. Yes, that he is still he is still holding out as of this recording. So, yeah, they, I mean, these, you know, these guys just they have so little leverage. Um, and I, I, I can imagine the Jacobs thing ending basically the way the Saquon thing ended, right, where it's. You know, he ends up he ends up taking about the money that, you know, the the, you know, like, like my super minor concessions. Um, also, I just don't think that like the, the franchise tag is like this is, this is kind of the the thorny part of the discussion. Like it's it's good money. You know, it's like, it is. It, yes, it will. It will be most of the money that Josh Jacobs has ever made in his life. Right. And he is an NFL running back. And so like if you're if you're his friend, if you're his advisor, you're like, you know, you've probably got three years in your whole life where you can make something like eight million or ten million dollars and like you just can't you you can't punt one of those <laughs> you know so like he's gonna be there um the the only problem would be is if this really drags out like into september and then he signs at the last second and then maybe he's limited in the first couple of weeks um that's that's the only way that i can really see this hurting those guys what about the contracts or i'm sorry what about the quarterback situation for jacobs because you won't have Derek carr as his quarterback he's going to have jimmy garoppolo in theory, maybe he'll have Aiden O'Connell at some point during the season. And then Jonathan Taylor, he's not going to have Matt Ryan, which is great because Matt Ryan was awful last year. But he is going to have Anthony Richardson, who's done a lot of cool Anthony Richardson shit in the preseason, but is still, you know, more or less a 50-50 proposition at best. So do you see either of those quarterback situations hurting either of those two players? Yeah, the Richardson thing could really be a problem. Um, I and he's going to be really fun. Um, he's going to be like probably fun, bad. A lot of the time, um, right. his best plays are going to be some of the most thrilling plays every week. The The problem is he might be, it might be a situation where like Anthony Richardson is really the only safeish way to invest in the Colts offense. Um, I would fully expect him to take goal line rushing opportunities away from Jonathan. That's Taylor, what I was going to say. Glory. Like he's going to run the ball yeah. a lot because he's a fucking tank. Yeah, I think he's like he's actually got a pretty high floor as a quarterback, and they just announced him officially as the starter today. But that was never in doubt. Um, it, it's the it's the rushing uh, it's the rushing ability that gives him actually a pretty high floor. Like anything that you get from him as a passer, kind of you know cherry on top stuff. Because um, he's probably if he stays healthy, he's going to run for nine hundred yards, and he's huge. Um, he's a natural goal line runner, um, so he should end up taking like. I don't know, eight, nine, 10 rushing touchdowns. That seems plausible. I don't, I, I don't know what we're going to get from Richardson as a passer. And I'm, I'm super uncomfortable with the, I've talked about this a little bit, like on the Yahoo pod and elsewhere. I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with the Cam Newton comparisons because Cam Newton was like a flawless college player, right? He was literally coming right. off the, perhaps the greatest single collegiate season we had ever seen. 50 plus touchdowns combined rushing and, and, uh, and passing, um, undefeated uh like against the highest possible level of competition um like perfect as a passer perfect as a rusher and richardson has not been any of that um right richardson was you know had some there's some rough moments so they're not starting from the same place so like it's okay if richardson does not immediately come out and pass for 400 yards and run for two touchdowns a week um that may not happen but i think, I think at the very least the rushing is going to be there uh can't i give up on Najee harris already I mean, he only ran sure. for 100 yards once a, a season ago. I, I, I can't, I can't stomach that. Yeah, he's a really, he's a really easy fade because, um, I like we always anytime anytime part of your argument for a player in fantasy is, um, well, who else is there? The, you know, yeah, the find somebody. There's, there's, there can always be somebody else, right? And, um, he's. He's a little bit complicated because I, I feel like people still think of him as like, you know, that that sort of first year version of Najee Harris where like all these dump offs are going to go to him. But that didn't really happen last year. And the, the thing about him as a, as a first year back is he was playing 90 percent of the snaps. Um, he, he had pretty sizable workloads like in the second half last year. But his 
his fantasy value was entirely tied to him finding the end zone pretty much every week in the second half. And that, that could happen again, but he wasn't playing as much. Um, I, you know, I arrived at that a little late there. Sorry, but like Jalen Warren was playing a lot. Like by the end of the year, that was a 60, 40 split in terms of snaps. You know, sometimes it'd be 65, 35, but that's, that's not what you're signing up for when you draft Najee Harris, because the argument everybody makes is, well, who else is there? You know, he's got to be the guy. Well, the Steelers decided that he wasn't going to be the only guy last year. And, and Warren was much more efficient than him on the ground, right? Like gained over a yard per carry greater. Um, so that's, that's going to be an ongoing concern. He, he is definitely a player who, if he's going to finish as an RB one, uh, almost certainly needs to see, 75% of the snaps. And that's, that's just not what you could reasonably forecast right now. He's one of those guys where, you know, if I, if I'm drafting high and I get like a couple of kick-ass wide receivers, like to start off, I'm like, yeah, yeah. But then I'm like, oh, I need a running back. And then I go look at the queue and I'm like, uh oh, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, fuck. <laughs> I'm stuck with this asshole. Hey, Aaron Jones is ranked number 15, but don't you think that Green Bay will use him a whole lot more now that Aaron Rodgers is gone? Even if he splits carries with AJ Dillon, this is this is just a great call out by you, actually, because um, I I think I think Aaron Jones is just one of the, one of the great screaming values in fantasy. He he's finished as an RB one in the last four seasons. Like he's we've ranked him at a place and we're drafting him at, at a place where he never finishes. Um, that guy's really good. That guy's got to catch fifty or sixty balls. He's 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 one of those few running backs who is like a legit great receiver. Um, at the position, you know, yeah, like he's, he's he's pretty special. He's a better back he, than Dylan. Like they, they're not equal yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Be better and more versatile back than Dylan. He's somebody who, you know, even if he's only commanding 60, 65 percent of the of the backfield work, they're going to use him at the goal line. He's going to like, uh, you know, sketchy young quarterback like Jordan Love. He's going to be his best friend. And he's somebody who like can make highlight real downfield catches. Um, Jones is uh, Jones to me is a is is just a an easy player to like. I'm I'm taking him in the third round, fourth round. Um, I feel like he he should comfortably be ranked inside the top ten, top twelve. He's not. It's just kind of a little. It's a little gift. Um, it's a little gift out there for you in the fourth round. Yeah, because I I could see the transition from Rogers to Jordan Love helping Jones more. Than not because when they had Aaron Rodgers, well, mm -hmm. the Packers never used him enough. They never used any fucking running back enough because it was always like, well, let's not run the ball. Let's have Aaron run around for 15 seconds back there before he throws it. Also, because Rodgers needed like 21 yard touchdown passes a year, right? Like they'd get down yep. to the goal line and that and and like I'm not gonna say that it was stat padding, right? But like that that became like their goal line offense was like Rodgers to Devonte Adams for one yard. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we go, we have to take a break. But before we go, can you give me a sleeper pick at running back? Anybody you're like, oh, I really like this guy. Is there an Isaiah Pacheco in there? I, I would say that um, I don't even know that James Cook is a sleeper anymore, but he's drawn really just a ton of hype um, from both from Buffalo media. Like Damian Harris has been hurt. Um, Cook looked great in the preseason opener. Not that that's a th much of a thing, but there's a there's a real chance that James Cook ends up seeing like 70 percent, 65 percent of the backfield snaps. He's going to be great. If you want to go much further down the list, um, I, I think there's a natural role for Tank Bigsby in uh, in Jacksonville because he just he complements Travis Etienne's game really well. Etienne not totally comfortable at the I mean he was bad at the goal line last year not that that not that that's necessarily going to endure but he was pretty bad at the goal line last year and he's not a really natural comfortable receiver Bigsby can do both of those things super successful college player too all right let's uh let's take a break come right back with Andy Barons of Yahoo before we take the break I just want to note that this week's episode is brought to you by the gentleman's wager that's right, the stupidest kind of bet there is. The gentleman's wager, when you're a total chicken shit who won't put money on the line. We'll be right back with Andy Barons. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Drew. Did you know that an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year? Now, that's not bad enough. Most cleaning formulas are 90% water which is heavy to ship, leading to excessive carbon emissions. Plus, those products are often filled with nasty ingredients like chlorine and ammonia. That's a lose-lose situation for you and for the planet. So Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet. Their idea is simple. They offer endlessly refillable cleaning products with a beautiful, cohesive design that looks great right on your counter. You just fill your bottles with water, drop in the tablets, and wait for them to dissolve. 
You never have to grab bulk cleaning supplies on your grocery run. And refills start at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaners, and laundry tablets, all Blueland products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. And I feel good about it because my wife is one of those people who is allergic to everything and needs everything to be fragrance-free. And so when the Blue Land package came and everything said fragrance-free on it, well, it was just like allergy sufferer Christmas for her. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash distraction. You won't want to miss this. It's blueland.com slash distraction for 15% off. One more time, that's blueland.com slash distraction for 15% off. This episode is also sponsored by Caldera Lab. First impressions matter. There are no two ways around it. And if you aren't already, it's time to put your best face forward by adding in a skincare routine. Skincare doesn't have to be hard if you have the right tools, which is where Caldera Lab comes in. Caldera Lab creates high-performance men's skincare products, and the regimen leads off their product lineup, a twice-a-day routine to transform your skin. Whether men can't find the right brand or they simply lack the knowledge and understanding of it, skincare is something that requires attention. Luckily, men's skincare has never been easier with Caldera Lab in the regimen. They even have this eye serum called the Icon that addresses the three most common skin concerns around the eye. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Now, I am someone who spent the first 46 years of his life not washing his face because I was like, well, my shampoo runs over it, so that's okay. I got sent a bunch of Caldera stuff. I used it on my face. And hey, presto, I actually look better. Who would have guessed Caldera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients and is a great addition to your daily routine. It takes less than a minute in the morning and at night. So if you're ready to get into a skincare routine, you can get 20% off with our code distraction at calderalab.com. That's 20% off at calderalab.com using the code distraction. Jump into skincare and first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. We're back with Andy Barron's talking fantasy football 2023. We're going to go over to wide receivers now, which is good because wide receivers are much more fun than running backs, Andy. Uh, fantasy Pros has a top tier of three players in Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Tyreek Hill. Do you foresee any of those three players underperforming this season, or do you foresee, and do you foresee any players vaulting into that tier alongside them? I, I will just say that I I think Justin Jefferson might be like a tier of his own player. Not in Fuck not yeah in he is, that, baby. Not at, like not in the same way that Travis Kelsey is, you know. I don't I don't think that he's gonna like double up the the wide receiver six or whatever, no, no, you know, no, whatever no, no. Kelsey does. But man, um you, you wanna you wanna talk about somebody who's had a perfect start to his career, that is Jefferson. You know, he's what like he's He's like 24 years old. He's 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 a mere child, and he's already had um, an 1,800-yard season. Uh, and before the 1,800-yard season, he had like a 1,600-yard season. And before that, he had a 1,400. Like, he's got mm, this, this guy's me, pushing 5,000 yards, and he's three years into his career. He's never missed a game. He's just an every-route guy, downfield, short stuff. They create layups for him. He makes degree of difficulty. He's like a perfect player. Um, and, and he's, you know, like feel however you want to feel about Kirk Cousins, but Kirk Cousins has demonstrated time and again that he can support more than one viable fantasy starter. And, and, you know, like, I don't know, maybe Kirk Cousins isn't the guy to, to take you on a deep playoff run, but man, he clearly can deliver like an 1800 yard season. I think if anybody, I, I feel like I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying that the first NFL receiver to to deliver a 2,000 yard year is is in the league right now. It's probably Jefferson. Um, the one knock that I hear against him is that he, you know he didn't score enough touchdowns for me last year. Like you're complaining about a, a an 1,800 yard season, but whatever. People feel like he didn't score enough touchdowns. He did lead all receivers in red zone targets and in targets inside the 10. So like the touchdowns are coming. Um, the ceiling for Justin Jefferson to me is like. It's literally like 2,100 yards and 16 touchdowns. And I just, I just mm. wouldn't put anybody else's ceiling there. You know, that's, those are stupid numbers. But I, but like, I, I feel like that's, you know, it's, it would be kind of the outlier of the range. But, um, but, I, but I feel like that's out there for him. Um, I don't, especially if Joe Burrow is dinged and is actually got like, Jamar Chase the other day was, you know, just threw out 
weirdly the, this idea that um, he he thought Burrow should should uh, you know sit out until perhaps week five with the calf injury, which just seemed like like strange specificity, right? <laughs> right? Like maybe something was already determined there. Um, if Burrow's going to miss any time, I I just don't see how Chase can hang with uh, with with Jefferson. Jefferson's just too good. Ty- Tyreek's great. Like Tyreek was a was a sneaky candidate to reach two thousand yards last year and just didn't quite get there at the end. Um, I, it, I, I just, I just think Jefferson is an absolutely perfect player. So I'd probably, I, I think he, um, I think he separates a bit from the other two. Well, Tyreek, you always have to worry about, uh, the Tua, uh, element too, because Tua had, you know, a billion concussions yeah. last year. One more knock on his head. He's not, he has to retire. Like he was, he probably should have retired already. I, actually not probably. Definitely. Yeah. The, the Tyreek discussion is kind of similar to like the Cooper cup discussion where like cup is an incredible receiver. Um, but he, like he he's tied to Matthew Stafford, right? Who could turn to dust at any moment. And he already has, man. Pre-injured, yeah. So like that's that's really tough. If you're at all worried about the quarterback, it's very difficult for me to to consider the the receiver. You know, like they're they're inseparable in terms of value. It's not like it's not like Cooper Cup with just anybody. It's not like Cooper Cup with Stetson Bennett is going to be you know is is going to be a wide receiver one necessarily. And it's like that with Tyreek as well. Like that's a huge blow to the offense if it if Tua can't be at the controls. But what a drinking tandem it would be with Stetson Bennett and Cooper Cup, like at the <laughs> at the Buffalo Wild Wings, just girls just crowding on them. Oh, these boys. <laughs> Devo Samuel was lousy a season ago. I know because I drafted him. Uh, do you expect him to rebound? even given what we just talked about with San Francisco's QB situation? It, it's such a weird thing to say about a wide receiver, but I, but I really do feel like the, the key, one of the keys for Debo, and listen, a, a couple years ago, Debo just on receiving stats alone was, was great and was a wide receiver one. Um, the, the biggest topic of conversation, basically, other than the quarterback position for, for San Francisco in the offseason has really been the, the, how, how good Brandon Ayuk looks. Um, Every beat writer seems focused on it. Brandon Ayuk is a really good player. Um, he is. I don't, yes. I don't know. I don't know that Debo is a better player than Brandon Ayuk. Whoa! Um, they, well, they hey, have, hey, whoa! Slow down there, buddy. <laughs> they, they also have Kittle as a as a pretty important mouth to feed, right? Like maybe the best, you know, sort of all purpose tight end in the game. So, and and it's also a team that just wants they really in their heart they just want to throw the ball twenty five times a game and run the ball 35, 40 times a game. And yes. Just, grind you into into the dirt um so i i don't know that debo can get there on passing stats alone um so you'd really like to see them come out and and continue to give him like five carries a game um and i i don't know that he wants that rushing workload um the niners don't need him to have it but i do think it's really important to his game he's a he's kind of a polarizing receiver um i haven't ended up with a lot of him this year because there's just always there's always somebody going around debo he's like sort of the way you were you were um describing Najee Harris right like when he's when he's at the top of the queue in a draft room I just I just tend to go to another position (laughs) (laughs) oh he's your groaner how much do you expect (laughs) how much better do you expect last year's rookie crop to be especially uh, the Ohio State twins of Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave Garrett Wilson of course now has Aaron Rodgers at his disposals that's no small thing yeah, I think one of the most uh I'll start with Alave because I really think one of the most impressive things about his first season other than, you know, pretty good numbers, he goes over 1000 yards. They they didn't give him anything easy. Like everything was downfield. Like his A dot was something like like 14 yards, 14 plus. Um everything was downfield, everything was difficult. Um he was like our air yards king for for most of the year. Um so just like a, a couple of additional connections related to the difference between Andy Dalton and Derek Carr. And we've really got an incredible season from Olave. He's also someone who, you know, we're taking him maybe, maybe six, seven, 10 spots below where we're taking Garrett Wilson. Wilson is, I think, I think Wilson's great. I think, I think he did as much as anyone could have done given the quarterback situation in New York last year. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I'd say. Terrifically impressive. It's just that we're drafting him as like the wide receiver eight or something like that, right? So like if you're, we, we've we're, we're drafting him pretty close to his ceiling, um, which is which is always I don't know that's always that's always kind of a perilous uh, uh, situation for any for any young player. I think Wilson is in line for fourteen hundred yards and and eight to ten touchdowns, but like we're we're drafting 
we're drafting him at a spot where you need that, you know? So he's, he's a little, he's a bit more of a dice roll for me. And also I still feel like there's maybe, maybe, maybe this is just me wish casting um, as a Bears fan, but I feel like there's like a 30% chance that Aaron Rodgers is really not good this year. Oh, I think it's more than that. I mean, I'm a Vikings fan, so I got to disclose that, but he fucking sucked ass last year. Like I, I expect him. Plus also like, it's just, it's what karma demands. And it's the <laughs> right, Jets. Right, exactly, exactly. Right. All of it. It doesn't, it feels good now. And they look great on paper. I, I, I will, I can say it here that I've gone now through half the league for why your team sucks. And of all the teams I've evaluated so far, this is the bottom half of the league last year. So you got to take it, you know, you got to factor that in. But I thought the Jets on paper were easily the best team uh, that I profiled for, for 2023. I didn't think it was particularly close in part because of Wilson and of course, because of, because yeah. of Rogers, because they don't need Rogers to be MVP to be significantly better than they were a year ago. No. Yeah. The defense is great. They've got playmakers all over the place as Brees Hall gets healthy. Um, that's a, on, on paper, it is a, it is a very good team. Uh, the highest rated chiefs wideout is Kadarius toning at number 47. This is shades of, a few years ago where they didn't have a wide receiver sit, catch a single touchdown. Like Alex Smith was the quarterback and shit. Do you see uh, the chiefs wide out wide outs improving fantasy wise as the season progresses? This can't be an all Kelsey passing offense. Can it? It's, it, it's funny last year, Juju Smith Schuster, who's now uh, obviously in, in new England right. um, was, you know, he was he was the number one wide receiver, but he was not in any way a fantasy difference maker, right? Like, no. there's not a single week that that you know Juju like tipped it in for you. Um, I I do think there's a pretty good chance that someone steps up because last year was also weird in that like essentially Jarek McKinnon was the was the the number two receiving threat after Travis Kelsey, right? Like he, right. Got, he got a lot of money touches. There was a, there was a chance that McCole Hardman was going to be a thing. And they were, they were not, not as a traditional receiver exactly, but McCole Hardman had become such a, such an important part of like their goal line package. Um, and there's, there's a chance that happens with Kadarius Tony this year as well. Um, I will say, I think the two most interesting receivers on that team, uh, number one, it's another second year receiver. We didn't, we didn't talk about Sky Moore, but Sky Moore had I did a lot of buzz coming into last year. He's now stepping into, you know, he's the strongest candidate to have that sort of juju role and maybe do a little bit more with it. Um, so he's pretty interesting. He could get, he's somebody who could legitimately see over 100 targets and then they would be, you know, Patrick Mahomes targets. Those are pretty good. And I think the the other really interesting name there, and he's probably my most, he's one of my most drafted players, is uh, is Justin Ross. And he's, he's total flyer. Like this is like, this is your last round pick or your second to last round pick. Right. Um, but he's, he's, he's a little bit different from anybody else who was in that receiving core. He's six, four, you know, he's, he's had a ton of health issues. Um, but like five years ago, about five years ago, I guess it was, um, playing for Clemson, like Justin Ross was statistically the best receiver on a on a team that also had T Higgins, Hunter Renfro and Amari Rogers, right? Like he was he was and he did that as a freshman. Um so like at his best, he was phenomenal and he was on a, you know, a, a star trajectory for the NFL. Um like spinal issues, had a foot issue, like he's had some serious medical red flags and it could all go away at a moment's notice. Right. But like the, the camp buzz has been pretty good. Like the early preseason returns are pretty good. And again, he just, he looks the part to a greater extent than almost anybody else in that receiving core. And so I just, I like the idea generally of taking late flyers on that receiving core, because again, it's a quarterback who you can almost project for 5,000 yards and something close to 50 touchdowns. And of course it's, it's, it's hard for the wide receivers not to be involved when that's happening. Uh, which rookie wideout will stand out, and why will it be Jordan Addison? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 first of all, I do think it's Jordan Addison. I um, do too. The, what a coincidence! Part, let me tell. Yeah, but shocking that you would that you would feel that way. Um, some of it is just that it's been like just such a narrow tree basically in Minnesota forever, right? It's always just two guys. Like it's one of the reasons that we really like that offense for fantasy is we know exactly where the ball is going. Yeah, and they had like a. You know, they were they were trotting out just the withered husk of Adam Thielen last year. And that guy still ran the second most routes 
in the league. Um, you give that workload or something close to it to Jordan Addison, that's going to be a lot better. Um, I think that guy's a pretty natural separator. I don't think he's like a perfect receiving prospect, but I don't think it's going to matter because he landed opposite um, Justin Jefferson, like Earth's best receiver, right? So he's going to he's gonna find himself in favorable situations. Um, you know, Cousins has given him a little bit of camp sunshine. So I, I think it's pretty clearly Addison. Um, I think uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is huge talent, but he's also behind two other huge talents in Seattle. And now we're asking Geno Smith to support, you know, three viable fantasy receivers. I don't, I don't necessarily see that happening. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing about the Seahawks offense. They're not really obligated to rely on Smith and Jigba as much as I think the Vikings will need Addison, because the one thing that people should know is that Addison right now is not officially uh, the, the, the second wide receiver on the depth chart. That's still KJ Osborne, who was very, very good last year and very dependable. So it is possible that uh, at the very least, Addison will begin the season as the starting third wideout, and they'll use they'll use a lot of three receiver sets. However, they also signed Josh Oliver uh, from Baltimore because they wanted to use two tight end sets a lot more often, which would preclude them using trip sets. Uh, you know. On, more frequently on down. So it's going to be a matter of Addison having to beat out Osborne for that job. But from what I've seen of him so far, I don't think that's actually a particularly big ask. I think he's going to be an absolute fucking star. I'll, well, I'll also just say a couple of years ago, like just in, uh, you know, in sort of draft prep, like an NFL draft prep two years ago, you know, I tried to watch like a bunch of Kenny Pickett and oh, like the, the thing that stood out was, oh my God, Jordan Addison. Um, he, he, he was so good. That guy made Pickett a lot of money. Yeah, because all he does is get open. And it's like, I know that when you watch college film and you see a, see a guy get open, well, it's just like, okay, well, he's in college. He's playing against some fucking pud on the other guy's defense. That's why he can break free. You know, like how many, how many wideouts have you seen over the years, like Peter Warwick, et cetera, et cetera, you know, make yeah. bank in college because they could get separation. But Addison, I think, is someone who gets separation because of his craftsmanship and route running the exact same way that Adam Thielen was able to get separation in the pros. So I think he's, yeah, he's, that's, that's actually a really good comp. He also just like a couple of years ago, he turned, he turned a bunch of, he turned a bunch of throws that probably should have been intercepted or fallen to the turf into, into touchdowns and, or like field flipping long gains. Like he's just, he's, he's great. Uh, quarterbacks fantasy pros has Deshaun Watson as the ninth highest quarterback in the field. Do you think that's realistic for him given how shitty he was a season ago? Um, I, I actually think that, Deshaun Watson is probably he's probably the last guy in the uh, in, in terms of like fantasy pros ECR. He's probably the last guy in the ranks where you can make a like a real case that he could finish his QB one. Um, he's never done it. I don't think it's going to happen. And there's a huge range of outcomes for him. Obviously, he's had a pretty right. complicated couple of couple of seasons, and it's almost impossible to to root for him. Um, but it is very been. impossible to root for him. He's he's been a he's been a top five fantasy quarterback um, three times already in his career. He's not old. Um, like if he can get back to something close to that level, like the last time he had just a normal season that followed a normal off season, um, he led the NFL in passing yards, and he like he was he was way up there in terms of yards per attempt. Like he was just objectively great, and it was a top five fantasy season. And he runs, which is you know which is obviously key to finishing as as the overall QB one. Um, he can give you 450, 550 rushing yards. He can definitely give you five, six rushing touchdowns. And we've already seen the guy throw 30 touchdown passes. We've already seen like a 4,800 yard season. Um, so like I, I regret to inform that I think the range of outcomes for Deshaun Watson includes a QB one finish. It also includes like a QB 18 finish. Um, right. Because he was, I mean, he was bad last year. So I think he was. he's, I think he's, I think he's one of those like, total swing players who he's pretty cheap that's the thing like you don't have to pay a premium for deshaun watson he yeah you get the murder house discount paid. on deshaun that's very nice yeah. <laughs> do you worry exactly. at all about exactly. his receiving core because you know we had in houston in houston he had prime deandre hopkins but now his number one is going to be an aging amari cooper and amari cooper's still good but like it's not like having deandre hopkins at your disposal when deandre hopkins was going entire seasons without dropping a single pass 
Cooper Cooper did have a great season last year while the quarterback situation was super sketchy and really mm. bad by the end of the year. Right. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. Also, I think Elijah Moore is going to be a thing. Um, the you know I think the I think the Jets just botched that. Like I think that's a really good player who gets easy separation. The Browns were doing some fun things with him in in the first preseason game. He also got banged up a little bit, but I think Elijah Moore is going to be good. So between those two. Um, and then, you know, you've got the, you've got the Nick Chubb problem in the backfield. Like that's just a huge worry for defenses. He's probably one of those three or four running backs in the league that defenses really have to really have to account for the, the unique talents of the individual. So I think it's a, I think it's a pretty good setup. Uh, your boy, Justin Fields, he's number six, uh, in the rankings because of his rushing ability, obviously, but do you see him being able to put up decent passing numbers with that this time around? Yeah, so he could be an entire pod unto himself. Um, Ooh, let's do that. He, you know, he's not—he's not like free now. The thing about Justin Fields last year is that he was a—you could add, like a bunch of leagues. He got added from waivers. Right. Um, he was a—he was a relatively late round pick if you drafted him. Um, you could—you could always see the rushing upside. That—that that much is clear. But they were just a completely unserious passing offense last year, right? So they—they they attempt they. They averaged something like 22 pass attempts per game, which is just not something that's not even like 1990s NFL offense. That, no. is, that is like deep in the past. Um, it just, you know, and there's a certain type of Bears fan that's all for that. But oh, you know, yeah, bad. you're not going to you're not you're just not going to win games in the NFL in the modern NFL that way. Um, so that has to change, despite the fact that they barely ever threw the ball last year. He and he didn't play 17 games. He took 55 sacks, which led the league. Um, yeah. That has to change. Like some of that is the receiving core. Some of that is the offensive line. Most of that is Justin Fields, right? Like that's, that's Justin Fields having number one, a problem with the internal clock. And number two, he's just always big play hunting. Um, I think it will really help. I, you know, it doesn't take an expert to say that adding DJ Moore, who is verifiably great, is going to help. But they didn't have a single layup in the offense last year, mostly because they didn't have that guy who was just open off the snap of the football, right? And and I think they're I think they're going to be much more. I hope my hope for the Bears is that they're going to be much more of a you know yards after catch offense. We saw that in the preseason opener. Um, that there's going to be some easy stuff for Fields, so that he doesn't have to be chucking the ball downfield like 12 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards every time he throws it. That could also just be Fields' nature, um, in which case he's he's probably not going to be successful, right? Like you can't you can't take four five seconds to throw all the time in the NFL. You're going to get drilled. Um, you're that's how you end up taking sixty sacks and going the you know like the David Carr route, right? Like that's hopeless. Um, it's never going to work. Um, so he's got to be somebody who can get the the sort of cheap and easy free yards from guys like DJ Moore, from Khalil Herbert, whoever else, Cole Komet. Um, the receiving core is inarguably better. More, more is a very good player. He's not. This isn't like. This isn't like the Bills adding Steph Diggs. This isn't quite like you no. know, the Eagles adding AJ Brown. Plus, like those receiving cores already had something good. The Bears don't. The Bears didn't even really have anything good last year. So, like DJ Moore is the fix. Um, but he's but he's certainly much better than anything they had. So that's that leaves me hopeful. What I really want is for the Bears to come out and actually throw the ball 30 times. That's what we need to see. That's a big ask. It's a big ask. Which rookie quarter, ask. Which rookie quarterback do you like for fantasy this year, if any of them? Yeah, there's no question that Anthony Richardson is the guy. Like I think okay. he's super flawed, but but for fantasy purposes, a guy who a guy who basically enters the season with like 800, 900 rushing yards in his back pocket, that's that's gonna be tough to beat. I think I think Bryce Young can be really fun and is probably the best real life quarterback. Um, but there's just the rushing upside tilts it toward Richardson in a, in a pretty clear way. Uh, let's talk about tight end, which is always top heavy and annoying. I want to talk about just two guys, uh, Darren Waller and Kyle Pitts. How much do you think going to New York will help or hurt Waller? And why should I believe in Pitts at all, given the past two years? <laughs> um, Waller's situation is entirely about health. Um, he's been he's been incredibly buzzy in camp. We we know he's a gifted athlete. We know he's a gifted receiver. Um, he he can step right in and be the essentially the wide receiver one for that team. Um, it's entirely about his ability to stay healthy. And that's been, you know, he's, he's kind of sneaky old. Like, I feel like, you know, he, he arrived on the scene a little late, but he's, he's not, that's not a young player and he's got some mileage. Um, so it's, it's entirely about that. Like I, for sure the, like a tight end, nobody, nobody's touching Travis Kelsey, right? We'll just, throw no, that out of course there. not. Um, 
There's no there's no positional advantage to be found in fantasy quite like Travis Kelsey at tight end. Um, but Waller is definitely in the conversation to finish as the overall tight end too. I don't know that I don't know that Pitts is there. It's not that's not even really his fault. Like that's Atlanta's another team that that really just wants to run the ball forty times and they'll pass it as a concession to modern offense, right? But they don't they don't I don't think they want to throw the ball thirty five times a game. No. Um, Pitts is used, if I can go on a little tangent here, like Pitts is used basically exclusively as a receiver. And it's, it's, I, I feel like if you want to switch your fantasy league to just get rid of the tight end position entirely and, and just fold everything into like wide receiver tight end is like a catch all. I think you can do that because most of the, most of the tight ends that we draft in fantasy are just, they're just wide receivers. That's what Mark Andrews is. That's what Kyle Pitts basically is. Um, I think he's, I think he's a good player. I also think Drake London's a good player. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know that on like a weekly basis, uh, both of those guys can go off simultaneously if they're if they're only throwing the ball twenty five times a game, thirty times a game. It's possible. Um, I can't I can't see the path. Like we, I was just having this discussion with someone. Like if if I'm drafting in a dynasty league right now, I know there are people that'll bang the table for Kyle Pitts as like the dynasty tight end one. I I would still fucking take Travis Kelsey. Like that guy's. He hasn't slowed, right? Like No, it's amazing. He was, I don't know, you saw him in the freaking Super Bowl. That guy's exactly what he was 6 years prior. Um I, I don't see him falling off at all. He's he's like a he's like a cheat code at this position. Like he he is the one guy that you can just pencil in for like wide receiver one numbers at the tight end spot. Um it is again, it's the biggest edge you can get in fantasy. Time for our guy of the week. Every week we remember an athlete of your Andy, not a Hall of Famer necessarily, but just a guy who makes you think, hey, I remember that guy. And there's no really better place to remember guys than the realm of fantasy football. So to that end, your guy of the week, Andy Barons, is Liddell Betts. You remember that guy? Oh, hell yeah. Iowa legend. You selected I know. I legend. don't know. I really did not plan on Iowa being so prominent in the podcast <laughs> this week. I, I'm frankly quite angry about it but there we go Liddell Betts is your guy did you like Liddell Betts hell yeah I liked Liddell Betts obviously I have a weakness for Iowa players so that played a part but I I talked myself into Liddell Betts in probably more than one season didn't can't say it can't say it paid off I don't remember I don't remember ever like winning a week necessarily because I deployed Liddell Betts but that was that was absolutely one of my guys love Liddell uh let's open up the fun bag these are real questions from defector readers and distraction listeners this first one is from bill andy he writes in on my way home from a work trip recently my uber driver was clipping his fingernails at every stoplight we hit this is absolutely deranged right what's the grossest thing you've had an uber driver do or what's the grossest thing you've done in an uber andy do you have an answer off the top of your head for this bad boy i've 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 not personally done anything gross in an uber like you never um, fucked anybody in an uber that i'm surprised that's not not, no i can't can't say that i have um can't can't say that i have you're missing out i have had like i don't know we've probably all had the uber driver that we were pretty sure had covid right like i had a guy take me to the airport the (laughs) other day and he was just like he was hacking constantly and like had hacking rags all over the front seat so i feel like that's just mm. sort of a ticking bomb for me i've also i've also gotten in some ubers that um where somebody had clearly been smoking up for like the last uh, for like the last hour and the uber driver is wearing you know sunglasses on a rainy day and i'm you know we're only driving like 18 miles an hour the entire trip so i've had the, i've had that experience too yeah yeah i also I, once had an uber driver who um was a was a an aspiring gospel singer who just like put in put in her 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 disc right like of of gospel songs her fucking demo actually she was playing her demo for yeah yeah played played it for me the the whole ride and and she she was a lovely person um i i i don't i don't think she's gone i don't know who's topping the the gospel charts right now i don't think she's gone on to to great musical success but i did enjoy her you know, it, it's better she played her demo than like she sang for you in person during the whole yeah. ride. That would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yes. Right. Yes, I agree. Uh, last one from Larry. Approximately how many times do you think someone has flipped you the bird in your lifetime, Andy Barons? Wow. How many times has someone lifetime. flipped you the bird? Do you think that you get, do you think somebody's flipping you off like every week, like an average of once a week? I mean, Maybe. I mean, okay, so. I'm going to take this question as in person, okay? I'm not going to do it as, okay, Drew wrote a take that I hate and I'm flipping off my, TV, my computer monitor. Like, I'm not going to count that. I'm going to count 
like it has to be it has to be someone flipping me the bird in person. It can't be someone like, just doing I, it like ah Drew McGarry, that fucking blogger. I but like I live in Chicago. I live in a I live in a city, and like um, I'm driving most days. Um, ah. cyclists are cyclists are fucking insane, and other motorists are insane, right? Like I probably probably get flipped off once a week. I mean, it's I'm sure it's in the thousands. Oh yeah, I think so. I like like I want to say I'm a good driver, but my uh, my record of camera tickets uh, would say otherwise. So you know, I, I don't think it takes much. First of all, it doesn't take much for me to flip off another driver. Like you cut me off, I'm flipping you off because I know you're not going to see it, right? I got tinted <laughs> windows, blah blah blah. So I gotta think I get flipped off. I'll say I'll say twice a week, and I've lived for oh what's what's forty times fifty? That's two thousand weeks. That is 4,000 times I've been flipped off in person. Although we're not really counting, we're not really counting my school years where, you know, you would flip your friends off. Like, like that was your main source of communication. Like, oh, Gary's such a loser. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> so I, I'll say it's at least 4,000 times. I, I will say probably, probably, probably the first 10 years of your life, nobody's flipping you off like once a week, right? Like nobody's, I don't know. Speak nobody's, for yourself. My dad did it all the time, you know? <laughs> But yeah, the answer is probably like four or five thousand times. Yeah, pretty, pretty modest, not bad. Well, look, Andy, this was a lovely fantasy podcast. But now I'm gonna go to the credits. Eric Silver is our producer. Brandon Google is our editor. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. Ads and production services are by Multitude. And you can subscribe to Defector.com right now. Just go to Defector and hit that subscribe button. You can also email us at distraction at Defector.com or even call us at 909 726 3720 and leave a message. That's 909 Panera Zero. Andy, where can everyone find your stuff during the season? Uh, for however long that worthless platform lasts, I'll be I'll be on Twitter, X, whatever it is, uh, at Andy Barons, and uh, they can always find me at Yahoo Sports. Oh, uh, this is so much fun. I love doing it, and I can't wait to do it again next year. Will you come back next year to preview the fantasy? season with us oh hell yeah i enjoy catching up with you yeah hey great all right thanks andy we'll see you guys next week goodbye